it's gonna be $25 an hour, period. Nothing else. Like, I, there's no exception. Okay, and that, and that's cheap. Shit. I, mean, I only want to do, I want to do, I want to start doing 12 and up. If you go any, any less than 12 years my, old, my, uh, my it's, it's not essential. You know what I'm saying? I want to cater to get trained. What's up, y'all? This is your host, Cali Bay, and you are tuned in live to Red 80. I'm here with my cousin, Rosan Griffin. We're just going to chop it up, man. This is this is totally uh, uns, you know, unplanned. There's no skit to it. There's nothing. We're just going to do it. I haven't did a show in almost a week. And uh, I'm here with him right now, and I don't even know his resume. It's too ex extensive, but I'm going to tell you like this. There's a lot of coaches out there that feel like that they, they know a lot, you know, especially in my group of Red, Red 80. We got a lot of coaches that get in there, and they do a lot of talking. And, you know, y'all know me. I pretty much keep it. I keep it player. I don't, you know, get over involved in a lot of different things. You know, it's a lot of high school coaches that think that me particular, I don't know what I'm talking about. And it's that, oh, you saying this, that, the other place. Uh, however, I come from a family background of, of athletes. It's what we do. I'm going to let you listen to my cousin, run down his resume to you, and then we just going to chop it up, man. We just over here at my sister's house, you know, just having some family time. So I want to let him... Run his resume down to him. Bro, run your resume down to him, man. Let him know who you are. I mean, I really don't like talking about my resume and my background because I think it's it's detrimental to the message that I'm trying to get across to people. But uh, I've been a champion all my life as far as sports is concerned, from state to NCAA to uh, U.S. national champion to American record holder. Uh, I've been a coach for 16 years. I've coached on every level, uh, Division I, NAI, Division I small school. Uh, I've coached Olympic athletes. I've coached three Olympic athletes. I just came back from the 2020, quote, 2021 Olympics. So that's just a little bit about me and my background. And there it is, you know. Um, <clears throat> I, got a group, I got a group called Red 80 on Facebook. And it, it boasts about 430. I keep it real, you know, intimate because, you know, I try to keep the riffraff out of the group. Uh, so, you know, you got to answer these questions in order to get in. And I vet you before I even let you in. And then I decided to move uh, the group into a podcast as well. Um, just, I would say, probably about about a month ago. This is probably about my fourth episode. And it's not live. It's, it's, it's recorded. So I can go back in and chop it up and stuff like that. But the group Red 80 is a sports-based group is where I do a lot of launching of any tournaments and things that I'm going to throw. We talk a lot of sports and it's, you know, in general, Louisiana, uh, North Louisiana for the most part. We got a little Oklahoma in there. We got a little Dallas in there. Uh, I don't think we have any Houston in there, but um, we just get in there and we talk sports. So right now we were actually, me and Ro was talking about mental health issues in sports. And uh, what's his name, man, on that uh, show that they got? I Am I am Athlete. Uh, what's his name? Is it Brandon Marshall? Brandon Marshall, yeah. Brandon Marshall is one of the biggest advocates when it comes down to mental health in sports. What, what's your take on that, man, as far as mental health in sports? I mean, I think it's very important. Uh, I saw, the world saw, a lot of meltdowns uh, this past summer at the Tokyo Olympics. And I just think that it was a storm that's been brewing for a long time. You know, athletes like to go around and have a bravado that, you know, they're invincible. But uh, when the pressure is on, you coming out of a situation like the pandemic, uh, people have had to deal with issues that they're not used to dealing with. You know, there's been a lot of complacency in some things. There's been a lot of uh, uh, mix up and shake up, you know, from uh, a lot of the restrictions and things that, that, that have happened. And so when it's time to perform, you kind of question if you have the ability to, to live up to your expectations. So when a lot of them weren't, uh, 
they just started having these 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 mental breakdowns. And I witnessed it with one of my athletes as well. I was like kind of in awe, you know. I was addressing like, hey, coach, if you ever got nervous, here we are warming up for the first round of the Olympics. And out of all this time, I've never heard you or seen you act nervous. And you asked me, have I ever gotten nervous? So that was a light bulb moment for me. Uh, everybody's different. You know, I'm a different beast. You got to be able to have that switch when it's time to perform. And I was just one of those guys that, that's always had that switch. I can flip it on and I can flip it back off. Uh, so I think athletes in general right now are just trying to navigate uh, this current situation and, you know, home life, you know, practice life, you know, performance since have all been uh, affected by by mental health and preparedness. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's the uh, one gymnast name uh, who who is pretty, Simone Biles? Simone Biles. Yeah. I mean, she's. I, I read an article on her in in the situation because I really didn't understand what was going on because she was doing so well, and then all of a sudden she just pulled out. And right. then when I read the the article on her, uh, she basically said that she there was there's something that they call it. I don't know what it's called, but she lost the 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 ability to track herself while she was in mid air mm -hmm. and she was afraid of of hurting herself spatial I mean, awareness spatial awareness yep. that's right uh, uh uh aware of where you are in space right because once you get off the ground i mean it's like hey i gotta know where i'm at or else when i come down you know ain't no telling how i'm gonna come down right and she had that fear but this girl has been flipping her whole life right, right. so since she's been in this sport her whole life and all of a sudden at a position to where she's doing things that nobody has ever done, she loses that. And that just says a lot about the stress and the things that an athlete goes through, especially an Olympic athlete, because you got a whole country on your back. Right. So in these types of situations, uh, there is valid research that when you're in a depressed state, your mind changes and the chemistry of how your brain operates changes. Mm -hmm. So if you do these baseline tests, if you have a, you know, a sports psychologist or psychiatrist to do these tests, you will see that the body is performing as, as though it's in a state of depression. Mm. So some of these mechanisms or some of these problems that you see come up are because of that. So it's your body adapting to uh, the level of functionality for your brain. And so that's where you get a lot of breakdown uh, in the mental breakdowns in, in some of these sports and events. Gotcha. Now, my first episode here on Red 80 was basically about, it was called the quitting pandemic. And this year alone, I've never seen this many kids quit football, quit sports, period, as a whole. I have a son, you know, your cousin. He quit. You know, he, he just laid it down. He was like, I'm done. And... The, the way that I tried to look at a lot of this stuff with these kids is I looked at it from different levels. I looked at it, number one, these kids are not us. They're different. We were afraid to quit sports. Right. These kids now are like, look, I don't care. I, it, it don't bother me. I'll quit and I'll walk away and I'll go, I'll go get a job or do whatever. Not. Then I looked at it. I said, okay, well, we got to remember that these kids are kids of the pandemic. You got a lot of kids that graduated that didn't get a chance to go to prom. Uh when they graduated, there were only a certain amount of people that can come to the graduation. Uh, then all of a sudden they shut it down. It was like, these kids are depressed. They, they got to be, even if they don't show it. Depression doesn't always come out in something that you can see, but it's definitely something that can feel. What do you think about this new quitting pandemic of these kids quitting sports? Well, I mean, I, I totally think it is based on uh, what we're dealing, right, dealing with right now. You know, you see it across the board. You see it in... Uh, their school life, you see it in their their personal life, which they really didn't have much of right. uh, during this pandemic. Uh, you see it in their family home life. They may be dealing with their parents who are unemployed. They may have had parents that have 
experienced the, you know, mm-hmm. the pandemic in different ways, you know, trying to support for them. So it's, it's just a whole uh, nucleus of problems that have arisen that many people have not addressed. You know what I'm saying? You have to have a strong support system outside of your coaches. You know, you have to have mentors. You have to have uh, parents that are accountable to check on you as, as a child. Uh, you have to be able to have the ability to speak out as, a, as you know, as a child and, and voice your concerns about what's going on in your life if patterns and things change. So you have to be aware. And I just think that people weren't prepared and attentive to uh, take on what we're experiencing right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. One of the things that we've seen uh, in, in the North Louisiana area, <clears throat> and I've talked to a lot of people in, in, in Arizona. I've talked to people in Houston. Uh, I've talked to people uh, even in the area that we're in right now, Dickinson, about coaching. Uh, the coaches are, are are different. You got a lot of younger coaches that are in the game right now that are trying to coach the way that our coaches coached us. However, they lack the ability to add the love and the teaching to it. Uh, it's almost like sometimes I'm wondering, what does it take to even be a high school coach nowadays? Um, I know you got to teach a course unless you're a head coach or something like that. But I'm, I'm learning that it's a lot of coaches that know how to be a hard ass. But they don't know how to love and teach behind it because one of the things that I've learned from athletes in high school now is is that I can ask a coach a question. He can get on my butt and I'm asking him, hey, what's going on? What did I do wrong? And then the coach screams even louder and don't give you the answer. Now, that ain't coaching. No, it's not coaching. You have to. First of all, as a coach, if you don't have a mentor, you're dead wrong. If you don't have a circle of friends who are trying to achieve the same things as you, you're dead wrong. If you do not educate yourself as a coach and apply the things that you are taught, you're dead wrong. And it doesn't mean that those letters behind your name mean something because you paid for them. Those letters behind your name better mean something because you know what to do with them. So Mm. that's the biggest problem that I see. And that's what we see as far as the coaching culture nowadays. Right. I'm a huge advocate of coaching education. I'm a huge advocate of having a mentor because if you run to a problem, who you going to call? Mm-hmm. And I mean, not just a mentor. I mean, a vetted mentor. So my mentor is one of the greatest coaches across all sports, I think. And I'm just going to call his name. His name is Dan Path. So he's one of the greatest ever. He's yep. coached multiple Olympic champions. He's coached many, many people in the NFL, NBA, consulted for major companies. And so that's that's my go to guy. Another go to guy for me is Randy Huntington. He coached the long jump world record holder, and that, that world record still stands today. He's coaching in China. He's coached Asia's fastest man who holds the Asian record in the 100 meters. So he's a very, very close friend of mine and someone I can always go to, someone that I've worked beside. So you got to have that foundation and that basis. A lot of these guys just want to say that they're coaching something and go out here and put out garbage. That's not the way to go. Yeah. Now, I, I, I can I can definitely agree with that because one of the things that I've learned uh, where you can actually see the difference in between high school and, and, and college and pro coaching. So it has to be the same in football as well. It's, it's the same across the board. Yeah. I mean, you know, we live in a, a, a Instagram generation. Mm-hmm. If it looked pretty for the gram, I'm going to put it out there. But what is the purpose? You know what I'm saying? Like right. you're putting out garbage. There's no substance to what you're talking about or you're copycatting. So just because you see it on the paper, it doesn't mean that that's how it has to go. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you research me and you look up uh, articles, I did an article for Simply Faster and the name of the article was Don't Be Married to the Paper. Mm -hmm. It's just a baseline overview of what not to get caught in in coaching 
what way you should go as far as uh, building your philosophy and how to reference and go back and change things if change need to, need to be done. And that's general across all sports, every spectrum. It's not just specific to track and field. Yes, I am a track and field coach, but I teach the art of speed. And it all doesn't involve dancing around these cones and getting on ladders and all this stuff. So that's me. That's my wheelhouse. I'm not trying to act like I know more than anybody. But to me, I think that's where you need to start as a young coach to build your resume and your repertoire of, of what you have to offer these kids. And sometimes you have to change your approach. You know, you can't be that, quote unquote, hard ass coach. You have to be an understanding coach and you have to understand why things are happening and be able to address them and correct them with with the proper protocols. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I'll say about maybe three or four people uh, that I've talked to, uh, they say the same thing that uh, I've heard, you know, in my area that these coaches have uh, a hard time with these 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 athletes coming to them and talking football or, 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 or that sport with them as if they know what they're speaking of. Say, for instance, if we're talking about football and the coach is saying that we're running cover three buzz and, the, and, and, and that athlete understands what cover three buzz is and the athlete comes to you and he begins to speak football language to you, these coaches have a hard time with uh, dealing with that. It's almost like they're saying, um, are you my equal? Um, or... Do you think you know more about this than what I do? And I think that really, as a coach, that you should really allow these kids to speak to you on that level because they're the one that have to get out there and they have to do it. Now, what you're saying when you're running cover three buzz, what you're telling him and what you want him to do is really theory because he has to get out there and he has to perform it. Yes, he has to be what he's supposed to be at the time that he's supposed to be there. But if he sees something else, you should be able to make sure that this kid feels comfortable. With making sure that he's able to break down and, and make the play, not get on his ass because he didn't directly do it the way that you told him to do it. Um, I, I give you an example. Just this weekend, we were at the Lake and Dickinson game, and there was a guy that was sitting behind me and a friend of mine, and the guy that was sitting behind us was screaming at his son, my my buddy's son, saying, "What are you doing?" Well, my buddy's son did exactly what the coach told him to do: run a ten yard out. He ran the 10 yard out. The, co- the, the quarterback was still scrambling. The guy behind us was screaming at the young man as if he should continue to run another route. Well, I agree. He should be able to break that route off and run another route in order to help the quarterback make a play in space. However, you got a lot of high school coaches that get on the kids' butt for breaking off a route when the quarterback is in trouble. Run the route, and that's it. So, what I'm looking at. And I'm and I'm attacking a little bit high school football coaches because um, I think they tie the hands of athletes. They tie the hands of these athletes, and when it's time for them to go into college, their growth is stunt. And then you have these kids to sit on the bench, or they get sent home because when it's time to re-interview for that scholarship in the spring, he he coming back home because you've already destroyed his mind thought process for football. And in track and field, when you're looking at these athletes running high school, the way that they're going to run in college is totally different. It don't even look the same. Definitely. Definitely. But you're catching a lot of these, quote, unquote, uh, private coaches throwing things on some of these athletes too early. Uh, and you see a breakdown in development once they get to college. 
as far as the football thing is concerned. You know, you have to understand these kids have access to things that we never had. The yes. internet mainly. So yes. if you get a kid that has a high IQ, that kid is going to study. He's going to see kids breaking off those routes and, and knowing what to do. But as a coach, it's your job to understand how to deliver that message to get him to know. Yeah. It's not cookie cutter. And you have to understand you're dealing with a different level of athlete. So if that person is smart enough and they really study and become a student of the sport, I'm a big advocate of saying you have to be a student of the sport, yes. whether you're an athlete or whether you're a coach. So when you get these people that are students of the sport, that's when you see the, that, that elevated you know, athlete. That's when you see these 19-year-olds yeah. and 18-year-olds going to the NBA. Yeah. That's when you see these freshmen starting on, you know, on, on college teams because they have that high IQ yes. and they've gotten with somebody that's taught them the right way or taught them a way that is beneficial for them to grow in whatever particular sport that they're playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And track and field, I've just noticed that a lot of high school coaches um, and and I'm just I'm building a contrast for your for, for those coaches that are listening. I'm building the contrast, is and, and the reason why is because there's a total difference in the way that coaching is done in high school and the way that it's done at the college level and pro level. And the the the, the way that I can you can definitely see it is in track and field. The the most athletes when you watch them get out there and they're breaking state records, you look at the way that they run, their form in which they're running in, they're just fast kids. They're not running with proper technique and form whatsoever, and you can see it. It's totally obvious. But when you see that particular kid get into the college rankings, their form will change, and they may even get a little bit slower for maybe a year or so, but that speed will build up, and that coach is teaching them the proper mechanics and how to run upright because you got a lot of kids in high school that don't even understand that. Right, right. And you get to a point to where me, this is just my personal opinion, I'll take a 10-5 guy over a 10-2 guy all day because I know if I take that 10-5 guy, hopefully in that first year I can get him to 10-1. Mm-hmm. So, and it's just from development. And that's just my philosophy. I'm not bashing anything anybody else does, but does, but this is, you know, this is my wheelhouse and this is how I feel and this is how I look at it. Mm-hmm. But you're right about that, that overdevelopment or that underdevelopment. You have to find, you have to pick your poison. Everything's not broken. So why are you messing with the things that are not broken? Mm-hmm. You know, you help them grow with the attributes that they have, and you build up the weaknesses that they have. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean overdo it. If you put a cake in the oven for too long, it's going to burn. Right. So a lot of these kids burn before they even get to college yes. because you're throwing too much at them and you're throwing the wrong things at them. Mm. Mm. Now, that, that's powerful right there. And that's where, that, and that's where the burnout comes from. Me and uh, uh, another uh, friend of mine that we spoke uh, last week was we were talking about burnout in sports. Uh, these kids are burning out. Uh, quickly, and that was a part of a piggyback off of the quitting pandemic. So, um, you know, I'm just I'm just noticing so much. But let's talk about that kid uh, from straight Jesuit that's in Georgia, Matt Bowden. What you think about him? I mean, he is an outstanding athlete, uh, outstanding athlete. But I think the pressure and the expectations from the public kind of dampened what they saw as he didn't have a great year. He had an outstanding year as a freshman. Okay. He was part of a great staff. He has, a, a in my opinion, uh, a coaching staff now that ha- that's going to go in a different direction, and we're going to see some great things from him, even better than what he did the previous year. But he had a great year as a freshman. Like, a lot of people rode that guy for no reason, but he is just an anomaly. He is a natural talent. He is a hard worker. He is doing things that are appropriate for what place he is in time as a collegiate athletes but I think we're going to see him take off to a different level this year I'm excited to see what he's able to do I'm excited to see what that whole 
that whole team is able to do. But, yeah, I'm a big fan of his. I'm not going to knock his development. Uh, I was that way as a freshman. I ended up being a national champion. There you go. There you go. So is it too early to say that, that he could be an Olympian? No, not at all. I mean, I think uh, the way that uh, they've managed him, uh, he may have been a little bit tired. But what college athlete doesn't go through that? You know, so I think he's in a, in a better situation right now, not knocking the previous staff, mm-hmm. but I think he's really going to learn about himself. He's going to learn about the sport. Uh, he's going to be able to apply different things because his new coach is a mastermind. I respect her highly. Uh, she's mentored me few, a few times. Uh, so I, I'm excited to see what he's going to be able to do, along with other few uh, athletes uh, that are coming out this year. What's the one uh, cat out of your alma mater? Uh Goodness. Terrence Laird from LSU. Uh, he left school early. He was the guy that was battling back and forth with yeah, with, uh, indoor. with with bowling indoor. But yeah. he has a, a huge upside. I've gotten time. Uh, I've had time to share certain things with him. I've talked to him. Uh, and he's, he's a great kid. He wants to learn and he's eager. And he's not in college anymore. So we're going to see sometimes there's an adjustment in that first year out. But he's in the same program. He's trained at the same place. And I'm, I want to see what he's going to do as well because, you know, that's my legacy. You know, I wanted him to be uh, that 200-meter national champion. And I think he's going to be a great athlete. Wow, wow. So he, he actually left college early? Is he he, got, he yeah. turned pro? Yeah, he turned pro. He runs for Adidas now. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, we got about, I would say, about nine minutes. I'm pretty much done as far as the questions and the, and, and the, and the conversation that I had. I just want to let you guys in on some uh you know some 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 chatting that we were doing man it's been a while since i seen my family and we just over here talking but when i when i get with those those minds that have something to give to you guys i want to bring it to the table and, and put it in the podcast because it's something that you can always take you know i think as parents we we do our best in order to put our you know our children in the best space in order to grow as athletes um but sometimes you know we can get blinded by some of the sugar uh, that these coaches or trainers are putting on top of what it is that they're doing. Uh, You know, uh, a smart man can act dumb, but a dumb man can't act smart. So when I take my kids out, you know, I let them, you know, get with certain people, but I act like I don't know what it is that I'm talking about, you know, talking about. But I have a, a, you know, a good knowledge on it. Uh, There is uh, one gentleman uh, that, that, that I do, uh, trust in, in, in the Louisiana area. And that's only because I've used him. It's not anybody that, uh, and I won't say his name here because I, I haven't asked permission, but uh, there are a couple people out there in Louisiana that are, that are good, that I've seen their work. But, uh, you know, I always want to bring uh, somebody on that I know that has proven knowledge, uh, you know, proven knowledge that can, you know, share some things with you guys because we as parents, you know, our money, it don't always come easy, but you're spending your money, and again, in order to put your kids in the best space, and you might be wasting it, you know. Um, I had a coach that talked about, uh, that I always say, you know, we got these parents out here that get upset because uh, their kid's in the fifth grade and ain't playing varsity. <laughs> and I get it. I totally get it. It's like, you know, we, we have these high hopes and these high standards for our children. Even here in Louisiana, um, I've never seen in Texas for years. We didn't see ninth graders on varsity. No, that wasn't the thing that we saw. Um, in Louisiana, they got eighth graders displaying varsity. 
Yeah, they got eighth graders that's playing varsity, but here's the thing. We're going to talk about this on another show. Does that kill, will that take away that kid's last year of eligibility in Louisiana? He's, he played eighth grade football on varsity. You get four years of eligibility to play. Will they take his last year of eligibility as a senior because he... He played varsity already as an eighth grader. I mean, I don't know how the state state rules work in uh, in Louisiana. It's horrible, and, and I really don't even know how they operate in Texas. Uh, that's just an arena that I've never, you know, been in as far as high school sports or, or coaching on a high school staff. Uh, in theory, if I thought about it, of course it should take away one year of his eligibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just like you said, that may be a totally different show. It's a totally different show. We're going to talk about it, though. We're going to get on it in that next show because there are a few kids that have taken that opportunity then their parents didn't know because it sounds sexy. My son in the eighth grade on Boston, he's going to be a five-year letterman. And it's like, no, he ain't. No, that don't happen. That ain't going to happen, baby. He's going to lose. It's not something. like the pandemic where these college athletes get that, you know, fifth or sixth year in some cases. Right. Uh, it's not like that at all. Yeah. So it, it just... It blows my mind. A parent would even think that way. That goes to show you, like, I think those are the parents that are are, are in, invested a little more than they should be at that point in yeah. their child's athletic career. Right. Uh, hey, it's great for a parent to want to be able to to see their child do good. But, uh, yeah, you need to get some direction on, on, on situations. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's crazy. In Texas, it, it don't happen. In Louisiana, it does. And, uh, you know, I just I just don't know how I feel about it. I don't think it's a good idea. Like you say, uh, even a freshman, I think he's still a baby. Uh, I don't think that you should even be looking to play uh, varsity. In Louisiana, a lot of teams, they don't even have a, a freshman team. They play JV as freshmen. So, um I think once because you're playing junior varsity as a freshman, you automatically think that you got a shot at varsity. You know, even my son, he, you know, as a freshman at school that he was going to, he was he he felt like he was ready for varsity, and it was like, what? No, you ain't. <laughs> you are not ready. I mean, my situation is a little bit different. Uh, my son is a freshman playing on varsity, but at the same time, he gets those reps on JV when they feel like he needs more reps to learn what he's doing. Right. So it's a little different, but he's played varsity the whole year, and he's played JV maybe three or four times in different positions. So I think they're just prepping him for sophomore year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, his team is the number three team in the state, and to be a freshman, getting reps, getting, you know, uh, Turns on that varsity team is a huge, huge deal. So right. uh, he's contributing, and hopefully, it's not. You know, for me, it's more of how does it make you feel from the emotional side of it. How does it make you feel that you know you may think you're better than other kids, but these older kids need to get a chance and opportunity because they're trying to go to college. But at the same yes. time, we're all in the level playing field. If the kid has a talent, bring him up the right way. Spoon feed him a little bit. Don't let his head get too big. And so I'm happy that he's playing both. You know, he's getting to play with his peers, and he's also getting to play with kids that are older than him. Uh, so it's a little different, you know, different strokes for different folks. But uh, I think that's also something that needs to be addressed as well. Yeah, yeah. I We, we had a conversation about that at the Clear Lake versus Dickinson game this uh this past Friday, congratulations to Dickinson. They're going to be moving forward into the playoffs uh, as we thought that they would because they only lost by seven to Katie. Um, but we were talking about that. It was a lot of parents at Clear Lake that I saw uh, post that they were pretty upset because the seniors didn't get an opportunity to play as much as they should have. You know, it's your last game of the season. You're losing to uh, Dickinson, which is a top-notch powerhouse team. You're losing to them. I think at that time, you should make sure that your seniors are getting the opportunity to play. This is their last game. Right, right. And they were playing sophomores out there, so the parents were upset. And Coach 
you know, I I don't know what he was thinking, but you already losing forty something to nothing, forty something to a little. Right. These kids still need an opportunity to be seen. I mean, take a note out of the the, the coaches at, at at LSU. LSU played Alabama last night. These coaches know that they're already losing their jobs, you know, so they have to do what they have to do in order to try to get a win. And they never gave up. They let those kids play that they, you know, that needed to play. And they let some kids get some looks because they still need to get looks. You know, some of these kids will hold back from COVID. So they had an extra year. Some of those kids could have went pro if they wanted to, but they didn't. You know, some of these kids are just now coming in and they need to get the looks and the reps. So, you know, you have to take a page out of people's books like that. Uh, moving forward, you have to see uh, development for what it is, and you have to give everybody uh, that chance or an opportunity. Why else would they be on your team? Absolutely. Well, folks, that's going to be all for today. We got about a minute or so left before we shut it down, so I'm going to sign off. Rosan Griffin is here with me, man. I appreciate you for letting me record and talk with you, man. Follow me at Speed Incentives on Instagram. Uh, that's my page. That's why uh, I'm going to have to get a little bit more into it because, you know, I was caught up with the Olympics this past year. Didn't post much on it. But uh, you can see my mentors there, the people that I call, you know, my circle. You can see some of the things that I've done. Uh, one of my colleagues had the number one selling sports science book, Carlo Buzicelli. Uh, you can follow him as well. So uh, it's a lot of good stuff there. And uh, I'm going to make the page do what it's going to do because I have more time to uh, to put into it now. So I'll follow those two pages, and uh, we'll be back to you with another podcast soon. Cool. That's what's up, man. Give us that page one more time. My page is speed at Speed Incentives uh, on Instagram, and the other guy to follow is at Carlo Buzicelli. Uh, I'll find a way to, to get a, a hard copy of that so you guys can see it. Uh, maybe you can add it into the link of the podcast. Uh, but that's just a few people that I think that you, sh- you should follow and, and keep a note on. It's not all specific to one sport. We do the whole nine. And that's the thing. As a coach, you have to be well-rounded. You can't just be a one-trick pony. All right, y'all. That's all we got for today. I'm your host, Callie Bay. Thank you for tuning in to Red 80. Peace.